Amen. The book of Psalms. I'm going to start out in the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 1. And we're just going to read through that chapter in Psalms here. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, amen, amen. And for that word his, put your name in there, amen. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he what? Meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. You can put your name in there. Amen. If you are, as it says above. Said so the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Hallelujah. Let's just worship our God one more time. We thank you, Jesus. We're glad to be in your service one more time. You didn't have to set us free. Lord, you didn't have to let us live. But Jesus, we want to thank you tonight that we can be found in your service, oh God. Hallelujah. Not only in the household of God, but living for God. We thank you tonight, Jesus. And we're careful, God, to give you all the praise. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we just want to talk for a little bit, amen, about the blessed man or the blessed man. You know, we look through the book of Psalms. It was written, as, the, as we widely know, primarily by David. And then there was, and the scholars, or the, uh, they've said that there's been at least seven other writers in, throughout the book of Psalms, uh, the different Psalms. And even that word, the psalm, comes from a Greek word, that means a poem sung to musical accompaniment. Amen. We know that the Lord loves music. Amen. Because actually throughout the whole book of Psalms, it's a, it's a book of worship. It's a book of praise on, and giving God the praise and all the glory. The Hebrew name for Psalms is Talim, which means praises. The Hebrew has also seven other different words or levels of praise. And each one is distinctive and yet complementary of each other. Amen. And we're not going to go into all of them tonight. Amen. There's one they call the Brock praise. Halal praise. Amen. As it sounds, you're saying hallelujah to God. Or God, I give you my whole being. Shabbat praise. Worshiping. And then Talila, Talila praise. Tauda, Yauda, and Zamar. All these have a distinct way of worshiping God and some are with with emotion all of them are with emotion but some are with uh, different uh, ways some are where you prostrate yourself before God as it were amen some where you clap your hands and making a joyful noise unto the Lord amen and many other different forms of worship 
amen, and praise unto God. You know, it's strange when it comes to worshiping and praising God that people, you know, in the world, and sadly, sometimes people in the church think, you know, we come to worship God quietly. And there is a time to respect and be in reverence, amen. But go to a football game, whether you're North American or if you're from Europe, football, the the American football or the European or in the Caribbean, the other football, otherwise known as soccer. At those games, you can hear a pin drop, right? At those games, nobody, you know, everybody's just, you know, fast, you know, just listening in, you know, watching the, the players on the field. There's no emotion involved. No. They get involved. Amen. They are worshiping, as it were. That's what they're doing. They're clapping hands. They're getting up hooping and hollering and shouting. Amen. And how much the more should we worship God? Amen. Actually, it says in the book of Psalms, let everything that what hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. And I believe tonight that we all are a part of that because we're all breathing individuals. Amen. None of us here are dead, I hope. Amen. But we're all alive. So we can obey that commandment to praise God. Amen. Amen. And that word, Talil, praise, is derived from the word which halal, as we said, but means the singing of halals, to sing or laud uh, in of God, to involve music, especially singing of hymns of the Spirit. Amen. And where this word is used, or talal, is in Psalms 22 and 3, it says, Yet thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises, or talal, of Israel. So God gets involved when we come to praise. God gets involved when we come to worship him. Amen. If we get involved, God is there. He says he inhabits the praises of his people. In Psalms 33 and 1, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Amen. In other words, we are involved in praise and giving thanks to God. Amen. It's been said that, you know, there is a difference between praise and worship. We praise God for for the things that he has done in our lives. Amen. The things that we see him doing and that he is doing. And then we enter from praise into a place they call worship. And the worship is because of who he is. When we recognize the goodness of God, we come into this house to worship him. Not only worship and praise him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And with that all being said, amen, the book of Psalms is called, as we said, the hymnal of the Jewish nation. Psalms 1 is regarded as, if you want to say, the preface or the setting up of what the rest of the Psalms are going to be about. Amen. The, the Psalms teach us the way to blessedness and warn sinners against certain destruction. Amen. What does it mean to be blessed? You know, many times we've heard, you know, with the word, in the connection of the word blessed, that it's some sort of possession owned or position held. You know, an individual says, well, I'm blessed because I've got a nice car. Amen. I've got a nice house, a beautiful home that I have. I've got a great job. Amen. I have money in the bank. Amen. 
All these things are material things, an indication of a person's, are they an indication of a person's blessings? What if you don't have any material possessions? Does it mean that you're not blessed? We need to stop and think. What does it really mean to be blessed? There are, there are many different schools of thought on this regarding blessings. And the first we've gone over is perceived, the perceived con or concept of blessing comes from the human element or self-interest of mankind. A person says, if my family is well, I am blessed. Again, if I have a bank account is full, I am blessed. If my car runs well, I am blessed. And all these things. But the question is, if my family's not well, if my bank account is not full, if my car is not running well, am I not blessed? Amen. This is an erroneous concept of materialism that the world has led us to believe. It's a deception from the devil. Amen. Amen. In the deception, people lead some to who, who are truly blessed to believe that they're not. Amen. And those that are not really blessed to think that they are. Amen. There, there's this quandary there. Amen. But truly, amen. Is it based on our possessions of a person or the circumstances he experiences? Amen. That's the first. Man. Amen. The ways of man. But the second idea is of what really blessing means. Blessings comes from the word of God. In this concept, amen, blessings is not determined by what we have, but by whom we have. Amen. As that chorus says, I am blessed. I am blessed. It didn't say I have a big bank account. Amen. I have three cars. Amen. In my garage. I've got two fridges at home. Amen. But it says I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, I don't have money in my bank account, Lord, but I'm still blessed. Amen. Why is that? Amen. Blessings is not upon the things that we possess, as I said, but it's upon being in a right relationship with God. Amen. Hallelujah. In Luke 12 and 15, here it lets us know in the latter part of this, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. Amen. Or possesseth. Amen. So our blessing is not in things of this world. Amen. And further on, Jesus in this uh, goes on to talk about, when you read further on in that uh, book of chapter, uh, Luke chapter 12, we know as the parable of what he calls the rich fool. When you read through verses 16 through, I believe, 31 there. It said, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. Well, he's blessed, you'd think. And material blessings, yes, he has. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now on the 
as I said, looking at that from the materialistic sense, he is blessed. He's got it all. He had a bountiful, you know, increase of things. Amen. But what does the Lord weigh in? But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then those things which thou, those things that be which thou hast provided, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Amen. And then when he said to his disciples, he said, Take no thought for your life, for what you shall eat, neither for the body, for what you shall put on, and so forth. Amen. And he went on to talk. In verse 26, jumping down, it says, If you then be not able to do that thing which is the least, why take you thought for the rest? Amen. And then he talked about the lilies. He said, consider the lilies. They toil not, but yet they're, you know, and they spin not, but yet they're arrayed in glory and all that. Amen. And what did he say in 29? He says, and seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. He's in 30, he says, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your heaven and your father knoweth that you have need of these things. In 31, he says, But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Amen. So that is where the blessings of God lies in. Not us going after things, amen, but going after God. Amen. And another place, in, I believe in Matthew, he says, Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God. Amen. And, what, and as it said here, backed up, it says, and all these things shall be added unto you. They will run after you. Amen. You don't need to run after it. Amen. So some things that the blessed man does not do. We're reading in Psalms 1. So the psalmist began his definition of a blessed man by defining his actions. Amen. And one of the first things it says he does not do, a blessed person does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen. That word counsel, another uh, Hebrew word, which means really, is that we know it, it's truly advice. Amen. A blessed person does not take advice from ungodly individuals. Amen. In one man's uh, uh, paraphrase, Amen. Of the word of God. Amen. This is not the word of God. It's just a paraphrase. A man's uh, they're expounding on the word. It says, happy is the man who never goes by the advice of the ungodly. Amen. And we know that there are many voices in our world today. And we spoke actually about that before. That there's many, many different voices in the world. But we've got to learn to filter out the different voices that are in the world. Amen. And listen to that of God, not the voices of self, amen, or of man. But it says, but the blessed man will not follow the advice of those that are ungodly, amen. By following godly counsel, it contributes to the state of blessings in a person's life. And refusing godly counsel will be disastrous results, amen. Proverbs 16.22, the latter part says, but the instruction of fools is folly. Amen. 
understanding, it says, is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it. But the instructions of fools is folly, deadly, not good if we listen to fools. Amen. And who is a fool? Amen. The Bible says, those that say that there is no God. The fool has said that there is no God. Something else to note, when you look through the word of God, amen, it's interesting to observe the scriptural accounts of individuals receiving counsel from others, and in the large, vast uh, majority of them throughout the word of God, amen, we find that each time men give counsel to other men, amen, it's disastrous results, amen. Uh, in one instance, I believe in, in second, first Kings 12, 6 through 17, there was a young man, amen, whose father was a very wise man, but he himself ended up being a fool. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, refused to listen to the godly counsel of the aged men, amen, and succumbed to the pressures of his peers. That's why it's very, very, very dangerous, amen, when we listen to the counsel of our peers, amen, not only young people, but even adults, you know, those that are on, in a sense that are at your same level, amen, that's why the Bible says we don't compare ourselves against ourselves, amen, because, you know, if you're all in the same ship, in a sense, you, you know, you want to encourage or, or give each other the same advice, amen, if you're, you know, going into debt and everything, well, you want company, amen, so you're going to encourage others to do things to also get themselves in the same situation so you can have company, amen. But somebody that is not, in a sense, a peer, they will admonish you that, no, do this, 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 get yourself in this situation, amen, and the, the results won't be tragic, amen. As we saw in Rehoboam's life, amen, the tragic result was a revolt that led to a divided kingdom. His dad handed him a whole kingdom. Solomon, when he left, it, Israel was together. Everything was good. But when Rehoboam took over, because, again, he listened to his peers, amen, and it was a disastrous result. But all was not woe in the word of God. There are a few, a few positive examples of human counsel in the scriptures that went good. In Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law instructed him on how to delegate some of his duties to others. And when you read through there uh, in Exodus 18, 17 through 25, you find in there where Moses was taking too much upon himself, and he was doing everything. Um, the people would come to him for small things, big things, for whatever, and they were always they were uh, making him tired, as it were. And his father-in-law saw, and he gave him some wise instructions. Amen. And Moses took that. Amen. And he was able, amen, to uh, rule the people of God more wisely. Amen. Jethro, amen. He was a great man, amen, of understanding and prudence. Amen. His advice to Moses was most appropriate and excellent. Amen. God could have showed Moses the necessity, amen, of adopting what he did before, but he chose, in this case, to help man by man. Yes, we can listen to other men, but they have to it's godly advice. Amen. Amen. Number 2. A blessed person, it says does not stand in the way of sinners. 
Amen. And this could be a twofold. Amen. The blessed person does not walk in the sinner's path. Amen. One man put it well when he said, the blessed man does not loiter in the way taken by sinners. In other words, he doesn't associate himself, or loiter means to hang around. Amen. Those that are sinners. Amen. The Bible doesn't say we're not to associate. Amen. But have no fellowship. Amen. What, what uh, communion, uh, the Bible says, you know, what fellowship hath light with darkness. Amen. They can't mix. Amen. Or amen with truth and lies. Amen. There's a way, the Bible says, which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Amen. Given to us by Proverbs 14 and 12. Amen. The second idea could be, amen, that we could get from this phrase by standeth not in the way of sinners could be not to stand basically in their way or become a stumbling block and thus prevent their coming to God. Amen. Blessed individuals, amen, or people of God, live in such a manner, amen, that others can't point and say, I thought, I thought you were. Amen. The world is always looking for a crack, amen, in the life of individuals. Amen. And yes, as it was testified, we're human. We do have failings. We've got to live a life such that, oh God, help us to walk in such a manner that we don't uh, cause others to stumble along the way. Because all they need is just to see, again, as I said, the world, misery loves company. Amen. If they see, oh, this one is not living up, then, you know, most people say, well, there's a lot of hypocrites in the church. There are a lot of two-faced people. Yes, there might be. Amen. But that's no excuse in the end. Amen. But let's not be that excuse for an individual. Amen. It says, the blessed person seeks to become a stepping stone to salvation rather than a stumbling block. Oh, God, help me walk in such a way that gives honor to you. Amen. So what happens next? A blessed person does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Amen. And this is the last way that they go. In a series of steps leading a person away from God. So notice the progression here. It begins with walking in the ungodly counsel. Then it moves to standing in the way of sinners. And finally it ends up where you sit in the seat of the scornful. Hallelujah. The seat of the scornful is a place where individuals, amen, disbelieve God. It's more than just an unbelief, but an unbelief with a passion to disprove God or, or, or a passion to disapprove of God. Amen. It's a seat of antagonism and hatred. So you begin by walking with the counsel of the ungodly. Of course. Amen. You know, is a. Uh, Brothers, that, you know, was talking, you know, you're going to believe that, you know, we came from, you know, monkeys and all this and that. And then you're going to go further, standing in the way of sinners. Amen. And finally, in the seat of the scornful. Amen. It's an attitude that opposes God and his word, denying his very existence. In Proverbs 3 and 34, it says, it describes God's attitude towards the scorner. He said, surely he scorneth the scorners. But he giveth grace unto the lowly. Amen. So we looked at what, amen, a man that is not blessed, 
and the things that they don't do. But what do they do? They, what does a blessed man do? Amen. A young man was reading his Bible one day when an older gentleman came his way. He said, son, do you believe God? He asked. Well, yes, sir, I do, the boy replied. Son, I tell you what, if you can tell me where God is, I'll give you a quarter. Wow, you know, a quarter. Without hesitation, this is a smart young guy. The young, man, the young boy stood up and said, Mister, I'll give you a whole dollar if you can tell me where God ain't. Amen. God is everywhere. Amen. Amen. A blessed person does what? Delights in the word of God. But it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Amen. Psalms 119, again, David again, uh, the major author of this says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Psalms 119, 16. Psalms 119, 24 says, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my, and my counselors. Amen. And another place in verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Amen. Another place it says, Wherewithal shall a young man, what? Cleanse his ways, but by giving heed unto the word of God. Amen. What is heed? Attention. Amen. Study. The word delight is to have pleasure in or to please. Amen. The blessed man is pleased by finding pleasure in the law of God. Amen. Joy comes to the blessed individual that puts God first in his life. Remember what we said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Amen. He shows his delight by thinking, reading, and obeying the word of God. Amen. If we love it, we'll read it. We'll think upon it. Amen. Remember that, that saying that always, always seems to come up. We move in the direction of what? Our most dominant thought. Amen. What we think. Amen. What our mind is upon, that's what we'll go after. That's why some people are so passionate. Amen. About the things of God. So involved in the things of God. Because that's where their mind is. Continually. Day in and day out, worshiping and loving God. We're God. God's laws weren't written to make our life miserable. Amen. Or were they written by a loving and heavenly Father who cares about his children? Amen. Yes, there's some boundaries in the Word of God, and rightly so. Amen. We don't have to defend the Word of God by saying, you know, well, we can't, the, the do's and the don'ts. No. Amen. In our own natural life, amen, there's boundaries. Amen. Just go out um, on Highway 63 there. Drive on any side of the road you want. What's going to happen? If you feel like driving on the left, you're going to be in trouble in this country. Some other countries, yes, you can drive on the left. Amen. But try driving on the right in that country. What? And you get in trouble because there's boundaries. There's limitations. Amen. And they're not put there because they don't like you. Amen. But they're put there for your protection. The stoplight. All these things are there. Sometimes the light is red. Amen. Why? Because others are going across the way. 
Yes, sometimes God puts red lights in our lives, amen, to stop us, amen, or a caution, amen. And then sometimes it's all green, amen. And that's the goodness of God, amen. The blessed man understands the word of God and his laws are not written to make life miserable, but to make life livable, amen. It says a blessed person meditates on the word of God. What does this word meditate mean? Really, it means just to surmise, to remember, to muse, to think on, to go over and over and over and over. Amen. That's why it's not, amen, a hard thing for us to come into the household of God. Amen. To hear the word of God again. Amen. I want to hear that God loves me. I want to hear that God cares for me. Amen. I might hear it this Sunday, next Sunday, but keep telling me, amen, and also warn me about the things, amen, the dangers, amen, that's why the word of God, it's good that we go over the things of God, one man wrote and says, I bring these things again to your remembrance, it's good, amen, that we have these things brought over fresh again in our mind, amen, to remind us about where we're going, to remind us of where we've come from, amen, the purpose of meditation is clear, in Joshua 1 and 8, it says, But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. We can't observe if we don't look. Amen. That's the first part of observing. Amen. Is to look at something. Amen. We need to look and read the word of God. It says to do according to all that is written therein. Amen. Not to pick and choose, but to do all that is written therein. Amen. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. Amen. Not just success, but the word of God says we're going to have good success. Amen. Biblical meditation is more than just an intellectual exercise by reading the word of God. It is the study and thinking about God's word for a purpose of obeying it. Amen. To meditate on scripture also involves reading and going over them time again and obtaining every possible benefit. Amen. From them. Meditation on scriptures is to be an ongoing and continuous. Amen. The blessed individual has discovered a sustaining delight in God's word. No matter how hot the sun beats upon him or how dark the night is. Amen that envelops him. Amen. His spiritual strength comes through meditating on God's law day and night. Amen. By meditating on the word of God, we know that as the Bible says, the Lord, he loves us. Amen. He desires to see us get ahead. Amen. To move. Amen. Yes, we might be by reading and meditating the word of God. We're reading the word of God when they were on the boat. Amen. And the storm came up and all seemed, you know, it lost. Everything was, they, they, were, they were frightened and everything. But we see, we read them, we can understand that. What did they need to do? They need just to talk to the Lord. And what did he do? He got up and said, peace, be still. Amen. By reading the word of God, we can understand that in his word, if we trust in him, we can have great peace. Amen. If we trust in him, amen. If we put our desires in him, it's by reading the word of God. If we don't read the word of God, Amen. We don't understand or, or meditate on the word of God when troubles come. Amen. Just like it will. Amen. 
in, in the book of uh, Matthew, he spoke about the two individuals, the one that built a house on the sand and built a house on the rock. Amen. And it said what happened? Both. The winds came. The storm blew on both indications, in both houses, both situations. But one stood. Because why? Its house was grounded. Amen. And if we read the word of God, we'll understand. He wasn't talking about just a regular house, but that house is our lives. Amen. How we build our lives. Amen. On the things of God. Amen. How we, um, you know, what we're anchored to. Amen. Is that songwriter says, my anchor holds on that solid rock. Amen. And the Bible lets us know that rock is Jesus. Amen. Not on the things of the world. Yes, we will suffer situations like this world. Amen. We will have ups and downs just like everybody else. But the difference is I'm leaning on Jesus Christ. Amen. Not leaning on man or the institutions of man. Amen. But I'm leaning on the the, the strengthening arms of the Lord because the word of the Lord lets us know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. This one man was writing uh, about people's attitude or, or uh, to, the word, to the things, uh, to the regulations or rules. He says, while living in Florida, I had several friends who worked in cleaning rooms at a nationally known inn uh, located by white sands of the Gulf of Mexico. They spent their work breaks running barefoot in the sand. The problem was the inn required all employees to wear shoes at all times while working. That's tough. Amen. You're by the sand. You want to get your feet in the sand there. He says, I noticed employees responded in one of two ways. The majority thought the rule was restricting their freedom. Come on, man. We want to go out and, you know, just, you know, let our toes, you know, run in the sand and just feel the warmth of the, of the sand. You know, you're in a nice, you know, beautiful place. You know, Florida, you know, it's warm, nice beaches, and especially if you work next, next door to a beach. I mean, the temptation is there. You know, run out. Go, you know, barefoot and in the sand. The rooms also had shug, shag carpeting. Delightful also to go bare toes. And just a few steps away lay the beach. To them the rule to wear their shoes was nothing more than employer harassment. Now that would seem like, you know, the employer, he's harassing me. Why doesn't he let me go barefoot out and in the place? But a minority of the employees looked at the rule differently Sometimes late night parties produce small pieces of broken glass. Occasionally, a stick pin was found hidden in the deep shag piles. Some knew the pain of skinning bare toes on the steel bed frame while making the bed. The minority saw the rule as, prote as protection, not restriction. Amen. Again, the things of God. It says, meditate on these things. Give thyself holy in 1 Timothy 4, 15 and 16. It says, give thyself holy to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Amen. 
says, but ye, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. That's in James 1, 22 to 25. Amen. That's saying that we need to meditate on the word of God. Give ourselves wholly unto it. Amen. And not forget. Amen. Not be a forgetful hearer. Amen. But a doer of the word of God. More blessed is the individual that is a doer. Amen. That can hear and do. Amen. Amen. What is the reward of a blessed life? The benefits of living a life that is blessed of God are very many, many. And some of the, uh, some of the benefits, amen, they can empower us as individuals, amen, to live a secure and enduring life for Jesus Christ and stability and a durability, amen. Remember we said it consisteth not in the abundance of things. And the Bible says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of of water amen he didn't say you're gonna be a wild tree but he said one that was planted planted implies amen or gives us the notion that it was purposeful amen that there was a plan put in place actually a part of that word planted if you uh actually is planned amen and then t-e-d it was planned to be put there Amen. It was purposed to go there. Someone purposefully placed the tree by the water's edge. For he knew that its position near the water would secure its health and sustenance. Amen. How, um, how sad it is to see individuals have plants. that You don't water them. What happens? They dry up. They turn brown. Amen. And they eventually shrivel up because water is a necessity for life. Amen. Water has the nutrients in it for life. So God says you'll be like a tree planted by the waters. Amen. So it is with the person who is blessed of God. A blessed person enjoys the stability of being planted by God. Again, purposefulness. So that they might be called what? Trees of righteousness. This is in Isaiah 61. And three it says that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Again, the planting, planned of the Lord, or planned placement of the Lord. Amen. As we said, there's some things that are necess necessary for the development of a spiritual life. Amen. First, a person must be planted in and by the word of God. Amen. And Brother Marlon so eloquently talked this morning about that unconvenient truth. Amen. Inconvenient, sorry, not on. Inconvenient truth about being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Amen. 
And like a tree planted by the rivers of water, a person must position himself near to God's life-sustaining source or God's spirit. Amen. What did Jesus say in, in John 7 and 38? He says, he that believeth on me, as the scriptures had said, not just believe on him by my own thinking, but as the scriptures had said, he qualified it. Out of his belly shall flow rivers. He didn't just say rivers of water, but he said rivers of living water. Amen. That means that there's life-sustaining power in God. Amen. That's why he was able to say to his apostles in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive what? Power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we know that word power is explosive or dunamis. It's the root word of dynamite. Amen. Which is explosive. Amen. These elements of the word and the spirit bring the believer a certain stability and unshakableness. Amen. Again, you don't need to have three cars in the garage. You don't need to have five pairs of suits. If you do, that you, that's good. Amen. But that's not what our blessing is predicated upon. Amen. It says, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. That's almost like a blank check. Amen. But why? Because there's certain things before if you line up, there's principles in the word of God that if you follow the principles, amen, you get the results. Amen. It's been often said, a lot of people envy our results. Amen. But they despise the methodology. Amen. Or the principles to get there. Amen. There is a course. Amen. Amen. But you've got to follow the principle in the word of God. Durability is promised. To the blessed person, he will, he will lose neither his freshness nor his fruitfulness. Amen. Amen. His leaf also shall not wither. Why? Because you're beside that water. Amen. What does David said? He leadeth me where? Beside what? The still waters. Amen. Amen. In spite of life circumstances, yes, as I said before, the wind will come. The storms are going to come in your life. Amen. He endures. How could men and women in times past be unwavering, productive, and enduring in the face of persecution? You know how? Because they had a source. How could the three Hebrew young men resist the king's decree to bow to the heathen image and endanger their lives? Because they knew of a higher source. Amen. Or they tapped into a higher source. How could Daniel know of the decree forbidding his prayer to God, that what it would do, but continue to pray anyway? And how could Paul endure being bound in a prison cell at Rome, awaiting his execution? And what did he say? I am now ready. Amen. The courage of all these came by their continued proximity to the source of true spiritual strength. They were planted by the river of living water. Amen. So what happens next? It says the ungodly man. Let's look at him. He's like the chaff. Amen. One man said, said the ungodly are not God's planting. They are not good grain. 
their only chaff, and a chaff that shall be separated from the good grain when the fan or the shovel of God's power throws them up to the wind of his judgments. Amen. It says that they're like the chaff. The psalmist contrasts the fate of the ungodly with the pleasant promises of those who are blessed of God. We can see through all that. So the ungodly are not God's planting. They are like the chaff that is separated again and blown away in the wind. The Bible reveals that an ungodly man is unstable, amen, in all his ways and easily carried away. What happens to the ungodly? We read throughout, amen. So the ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. He says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Amen. The story, again, is told of a young man standing in a courtroom awaiting a sentence for crimes he had committed. Nervously he watched as the door swung open to reveal the man that would be his judge. Suddenly, he realized, hey, that he had met this man on a previous occasion. Just a few years before, this man had pulled him from a flooded river to safety. The young man thought, well, you know, the judge would recall the incident and forgo his sentence. The charges were read, and the judge sentenced the man to the maximum penalty the law allowed. And he cried out, but sir, don't you remember me? He pleaded and begged. You saved my life just a few years ago. How could you do this to me? How? You saved me. What did the judge say? Son, he said, I was your savior then, but now I am your judge. Amen. Careful how we appear before God. Amen. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Amen. This does not mean that an ungodly person will not stand before God. It means that as he stands before God in judgment, he will not have right standing with God or righteousness, which means a right standing. In other words, he'll be unable to prevail or endure when God judges him. There will be no one to plead his case. Amen. What does the Bible let us know? That some men's sin go on before to judgment. That's what I want. God deal with my sin prior to amen have it dealt with that when i appear before god god will look nothing found amen the book is clear everything's been wiped out because it's all been dealt with we don't want our sins to follow us in judgment it's too late said so the sinner shall not stand in the congregation of the righteous amen this further thought is that the ungodly person will not have right standing with god when god judges him in judgment of mankind, he will not appear among the righteous people of God. The fate of the ungodly shall be the lake of fire. Amen. Sinners will not live in heaven. Amen. In spite of their jokes and all they're saying, and as we heard earlier, you know, hell will not freeze over. Amen. Amen. It's a destiny. Not as one individual I've heard said, we go to hell as intruders. It was not made for man. Amen. If we go there, it's because we're going there as intruders. It says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall sadly perish. Amen. 
A father took his son for a walk one day. After turning down several streets, he asked his son if he knew where he was. No, Daddy, replied the boy, holding tightly to his father's hand. Well, son, are you lost? No, Daddy. I'm not lost because I'm with you. Amen. Near the end of this psalm, amen, the psalmist reminds us of two things. God's care for the righteous and his anger toward the ungodly. God knows the whereabouts of his own at all times. And like the earthly father who is attentive to his children, he is attentive. So God is attentive to his own. He, will, he is constantly in our lives. Amen. Though it may be clouded in darkness, yes, there might be storms in our life, as we said before. Amen. Or affliction. The Lord knows our situation. Amen. Job 23.10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take. Amen. He intimately understands. What a comforting thought. He is concerned about and cares for us. Amen. Many of us know that uh, the story they told about the footprints in the sand. Amen. We're not walking alone. He is carrying us many a times. Yes, there might be two footprints in the good times. Amen. He's letting us walk. But in the sad times or the rough times, he hasn't abandoned us, but he's carrying us through. Amen. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Matthew 10 and 30 lets us know that. Amen. Says the way of the ungodly, says the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen. This is a serious warning. The ungodly will perish. Amen. Another way, somebody else paraphrases, but the way of the ungodly shall end in ruin. Amen. The Hebrew word for perish is abad, which means to wander away, to lose oneself, be void of, or have no way to flee. There's coming a day when the ungodly will come face to face with God and suffer eternal judgment of hell and the lake of fire. But the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. Amen. Blessed be the man. It says, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Amen. We can rejoice in God. And David, again in 103, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. He says, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen. That's what we have to live for we've got the benefits of living for God. Amen. The benefits of living for God. I don't have to worry about my wife. Amen. Running around with somebody else. Amen. I don't have to worry about having uh, uh, a hangover in the morning. Amen. I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, my mind, you know, in, in a tizzy because, uh, or, or trying to line up, you know, okay, did I speak to this one or you spoke to that lady? Okay, no, you'll be careful because this other one there, they don't have to worry about, you know, life things like that. We don't have to worry about, you know, the tax man coming after us because, well, we cheated on our taxes. We don't have to worry about the policeman 
coming to raid our home because of things we're growing there. We don't have to worry, amen, about all sorts of things in this world, amen. But we can go to bed and have what sweet sleep, amen, amen. We can go to bed thinking on the good things of God. We can go to bed with an expectation, amen. Yes, we can, even if we're sick, we can have a comfort knowing that he is with us. Amen. That either it's heal us, amen, or, or to glory. Amen. Praise God. We can have a comfort uh, and a knowing that, you know, we're not worried about what, what's going to take place next because we have the word of God. Amen. Jesus admonishes those who follow him to enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be there be which go therein at, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Amen. Jesus pictured the life or the end of life of both the blessed and the ungodly. Amen. He says that the ungodly are gonna go in at the wide gate. Amen. And that is a gate of destruction. How easy it is to enter at the wide gate. Amen. Sad to say, um, if you want to go to hell, do nothing, and you're going to end up there. Amen. But you've got to do something to make it into heaven. Amen. Contrary to what men want to say that, you know, do nothing, you can get in. No, there's certain things we need to do and certain ways we need to walk. We need to be careful. Amen. How we walk. Amen. The Bible says that we've got to daily wash ourselves by the word of God daily. Amen. But this isn't a chore. Amen. But it is a blessing of God. The ungodly will enter in at what Jesus called the wide gate. As I said, it's easy to enter in at the wide gate where there's no restrictions. But at the end of life, for the ungodly person, they'll face the ultimate restriction and destruction because they can't enter in. Amen. The person who is blessed of God will enter in at what Jesus calls the straight gate. Amen. The entrance to heaven will appear to be restrictive, compelling us to deny ourselves, to walk in righteousness, to stand in holiness, and to live with sincerity. Our walk with God begins on the narrow path, but it leads to an eternal life of abundant blessings. Amen. In walking with God. And what did Jesus say? I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. Living for God, amen, is truly a wonderful blessing. Amen. If I had known then what I know now, amen. One man says, I would have served the Lord a whole lot sooner. Amen. Amen. Praise God because of his goodness and his mercies that God, as David says, he daily loadeth us. That's an image of not just, you know, giving minusculely or just pittantly, you know, just small amount, but daily loadeth us, amen, with benefits, amen, of living for God, amen. Can we just stand? Hallelujah. I want to be a blessed individual of God, amen. Yes, and with the blessings of God does come prosperity, Yes, you can have two cars in the garage and be happy. Amen. You can have your fridge full of food. You can have your closet in excess. Amen. 
Because the Bible says that he will give us the desires of our heart, in a sense. Because why? Not that you're going to desire two cars or a house full of stuff. Amen. But because your desire is after him. If your desire is after truth, if your desire is after righteousness, amen, if you desire him, amen, as you are running after the Lord, so to speak, amen, as you're desiring after him, amen, guess what? He'll take care of everything else. Yes, again, I said, you might walk through a storm, amen, but guess what? He's on board the ship, amen. Guess what? You've got somebody to go through that, uh, that hard part in your life, amen. You can go to him in prayer. It's been often said, people that pray, amen, prayer is a form of releasing of that stress, amen. Yes, you go in all bound up and tight, as it were, but when you walk into the presence of God, Amen. With your problems, your situations, your circumstances upon your life. Amen. And heavy on your heart. And you just walk into that place of prayer. Amen. And as you begin to kneel, as you begin to lift your hands. Amen. You know, sometimes you just worshiping God and you just get lost in the spirit of God. And all of a sudden you forget, you know, my kids are, you know, are not behaving like they should be. You know, you forget the bills that might be due. You forget all these other things. And then sometimes God gives you a promise, amen, that, hey, there's a light ahead, amen. Better times are coming, amen. Maybe God is bringing you through the situation that in turn you can minister to somebody else and says, I was once there. When they say that God can't do this, you can stand up and says, let me tell you about a God that once when I was in this situation, or in that situation. Or let me tell you about a God that when all was against me, amen, when it seemed impossible, God stepped in and intervened, amen. I love the testimony of Sister Robin. She gave on Tuesday, you know, God had it all planned out. She tried to, you know, do things, amen. When we try to do things, yes, we, you know, mess it up. But the blessings of God is when we just resolve, saying, God, it's in your hands. God, you take control. Amen. And you just let it go. Amen. Amen. Let it unfold. I remember one preacher preached. Just let it unfold. Amen. We can force that rose. Amen. To try to take it apart, you know, when it's not quite ready. And, you know, to make it bloom. And it's just going to be petals. But if you let God's beauty, let it unfold. Amen. The blessings of God. Amen. Are rich. And addeth what the Bible says. No sorrow amen amen the situations you're in the circumstances you go through you can have amen and be happy amen in the things of god happiness yes is only a temporary emotion but you can be happy not only just happy but have joy amen and that's the difference between just being happy and having a joy joy is everlasting joy doesn't come just for the moment but joy is an everlasting thing that comes from God. Amen. Praise God. Let's just worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We